0: Our scripture today is from, yet again, the book of Luke, chapter 24. We've been in this text for the entire year so far, and this is the last day. Uh, we've been reading uh, through concepts and ideas presented in this book, Life Together in Christ, Experiencing Transformation and Community by Ruth Haley Barton. If you're curious by that book, we do still have free copies uh, out on the, the old uh, altar in the Narthex, so feel free to grab one and read it if you'd like. Uh, So today we're reading for the final time from Luke chapter 24, verses 21 through 35. Hear the word of the Lord. The disciples told Jesus, We had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning. Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. As they came near the village village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if they were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread, blessed and broke it, Then they told what had happened on the road and how they had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. So perhaps one of the most common things that comes up in conversation now is something about the weather in the spring coming about. Have you experienced this? Say, how's it going? Well, I'm ready for winter to be done, right? I agree, I I walk my dog every day, so I'm getting really tired of having to put on all the gear. You know, even some days the the goggles to go out, I'm getting really tired of it. And yet, when we get to this time in the winter, some days it feels like it's never going to warm up, doesn't it? It just feels like the winter is just going to drag on and on. And it could, by the way. We've had winter go into May sometimes recently. (laughs) That's not helping, is it? (laughs) That's not helping. But, you know, there's something about us that we know that it's going to change, right? And it's not because of all the research that you've done on the seasons changing or because you uh, watched as many YouTube videos as you could about when the the weather is going to change and that's what gives you the certainty that you're looking for. It's not because of all that research or maybe even a degree in meteorology. It's because of your lived experience. Maybe when you were little, you had to tell, like, I have to tell my kids, like, uh, yeah, it's, the spring is coming. And Peyton said, Well, when is summer coming? We want to go swim outside. <laughs> said, it's a little cold today, honey. <laughs> you know, so at some point you have to be told, but eventually you just know deep within your bones that the season is going to change because you've lived it, you've experienced it. Otherwise, it would be uncertain. Right? Of when is the weather going to change? That's always uncertain. But you know with certainty because of your lived experience. Is this not true in every other realm of life? Certainty comes not from learning about all the things about being a parent. You know, that helps. (laughs) But certainty about, okay, my kid is going to be okay even if they scream all night, comes through living it. Certainty about um, investing in the stock market and then one day you're going to be able to retire comes through seeing the changes over time, through living it. Okay, anything that we want to have certainty about, the best way to get certainty is through lived experience. Of course, education helps. The hardest things that we experience in life are the uncertain ones the ones we haven't lived, when we get to times where there's great change in the world. Have you ever been through an experience like this? (laughs) Our cultural moment is ripe with uncertainty. Tremendous uncertainty, whether it's what's going on in Russia, or the pandemic, or changes on the local level, people quitting important positions, and churches closing, and all kinds of different things. Uncertainty is extreme right now, at least in compared to modern or recent history, is it not? And what does that generate within most of us? Fear. Yep, thank you, Sue. Sorry if you didn't want me to say that. (laughs) Fear and anxiety, depression maybe, hopelessness, all sorts of not good emotions. But this is one point that I'm trying to make today that I hope you understand is let me ask you to you in a question. Does learning about any of those things help you to feel any more certain about it? Say, take the Russia and Ukraine crisis right now. Does it help you feel any more certain about how it's going to turn out? Or feel any less anxious or fearful the more you dive into it? It doesn't really help, does it? Yet we can't help ourselves. I check my phone. I grab my phone and go to my favorite news app and say, what, what's happened next? And then I immediately say, I shouldn't do that. <laughs> but this is what uncertainty does within us. And if we don't have a lived experience, we can't be certain and we're kind of caught in this trap. It gives you a sense of what the disciples were experiencing. This sense of uncertainty that they had. Remember, they gave up their entire lives. You know, we come to church on Sunday. These disciples said, we'll leave everything for you, Jesus. We'll follow you. We'll become like you. We'll... Uh, Go against the grain of the culture to see what you would do in our lives. And then he dies. Sounds terrible. (laughs) I can't imagine if my life was uprooted right now and I found out that everything I've given to Jesus was, well, at least I would think that it was for nothing. That'd be pretty hard, wouldn't it, if you think about some important part of your life? That's incredible uncertainty. Great fear. Depression, anxiety, all the things, all the feelings that we have now. Exactly what these disciples were experiencing. But think of what they chose to do. We've talked about this many weeks. If you've been here, you've probably caught this theme. They decided to continue to walk together. They didn't silo to their favorite place to hide. They didn't say, I'm done with everybody. I'm just going to go and uh, try and understand these things on my own. They continued to walk together. Yes, they left the main group, but they kept walking together. They expressed their disappointments. They welcomed the stranger. They sorted through the Scriptures eventually with Jesus, who they didn't know it was Jesus at that time. They welcomed the stranger to say, I'll let my life be interrupted for possibility, to see what might happen. And it's in this amazing moment... Where they invite Jesus into their home and they sit down and break bread with him in the most intimate setting, even still today, that's the most intimate setting that we could experience together to share a meal, to open our hearts, to be vulnerable. And during this time they experience the presence of Jesus. They realize it's Him. The fog is lifted, or the 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 lenses on their eyes have changed. And they can see that they are in the presence of the risen Christ. This is a life-changing moment for them. Everything would change for the better. A pivot that leads to a new high in their life that would give them courage to face whatever would come. Their experience with Christ is what would give them certainty for whatever came in the future. You see the importance of lived experience? No matter what would happen. So now the question is not for the disciples, will the season change? Of course it will. This may be, how is it going to change? When is that change going to come? What is it going to be like? So for them, knowing that Jesus is risen, that He meant all the things that He said, meant they didn't have to wonder anymore, is Jesus real? Is He real? I don't know. Was He saying that? Did He mean what He said? I mean, did we waste our life? That wasn't the question anymore. Now the question was, how is Jesus going to work? How is He going to show up in my life? What truth is He going to reveal to me? What's He going to do? How is He going to use me to change the world? That was the new question that the disciples were asking. And you can see when you read about the excitement with which they go back to the rest of the disciples. They say, we've seen Him. We've had an experience. We are certain that He is risen. And it changed everything. That's the same gift that we have through the power of the Holy Spirit. To experience the presence of Christ as we gather together. As we share our lives. As we express our disappointments. As we say, how could this have happened? As we go to the cross and say, why did you do that, God? And we open a space within our hearts for God to tell us something. But if this is our posture, then how can we ever receive? How can we ever have this kind of a Mayus Road moment where God shows us that He's real? That He will address our wounds? That He will be there in the future? But see, when we gather together, when we share our hearts, when we discern God's Word in Scripture, when we try and understand how we fit into God's story and how we relate to the characters throughout the narrative of Scripture. When we do that, we don't have to uh, try and ask the question, is God real? We can say we can have certainty of that. And instead, we discern how is God going to act in the world today? How is God going to make Himself known to us in this current moment. That's what's called discernment in our Christian tradition. I like the way uh, Ruth Haley Barton speaks of discernment. Whoops, wrong page. She says, Discernment is an increasing capacity to recognize and respond to the presence of Christ in ordinary moments and also in the larger decisions of our lives. Discernment is a multifaceted thing in Scripture and in Christian tradition. Discernment is also a habit in which we are invited to notice what gives us life and what drains life from us so that we can choose life more and more often. So a really simple practice, a really simple exercise that you can participate in. Maybe you don't want to be in small group or you don't want to share with other people, and that's okay. But a really simple thing you can do at home is to, um, to journal and to write down how did I experience God's grace today? What gave me life? Maybe that's a starting point for you. You have to say, what was life-giving for me? And if you look back at the day, you can say, what well, was really life-giving when I felt blessed by my family? So maybe you make a connection with God was present to me in that moment. And you can also say that it drained life from me when I gossiped about somebody that I know. Or when I really gave into my fears and endlessly scrolled Facebook or YouTube or my news channel or whatever, you could say, that, that really didn't bring me peace. That didn't really bring me life. And so then we can discern, okay, what, what maybe is God trying to do in my life in this moment right here and right now? And even more powerful then when we decide to journey together and take the risk of opening our hearts to one another. And I hear Dean's story about a breakthrough that happened in his life this week. And he says, I know that Jesus was present to me in that moment. I know. I could feel it. It reminded me of another time when God broke through in my life. Or when Larry shares a similar thing. Or when Todd shares a real hurt. And we surround you and pray for you. And and, uh, make sure that you know that you're not alone. That you're not forgotten. And then six months later, maybe we see that God has brought healing to you. There's real power in discerning together how God works in our lives. And I would say that we can't actually experience God's presence without each other. Otherwise, it just goes back to knowing, to doing, oh, let me do some research about God so that I can have certainty. You see, it doesn't work that way. We can, I admitted to you uh, a couple weeks ago that after six years of learning, getting my seminary degree and in theology, and Bible study, (laughs) I didn't actually have any more certainty about Jesus being risen, about Him being present to us. I have way less certainty because there's less time for lived experience, for taking risk, for showing courage, for showing compassion and forgiveness when it's difficult. Those are the moments when we're most terrified, but yet we step out in faith that we say, I know that Jesus is real. I know that it's far beyond idle tales. And you see what happens then is when we can look back at those moments like the disciples said. They said, uh, were our our hearts not burning within us when we realized it was him? Some of you had that experience when you go on the walk to Emmaus retreat and you say, wow, that was amazing how could I not have understood that Jesus is present to me in all these other areas of my life? And I tell you, if it wasn't for that formational time that I talk about often in Lake City, where I was in small group and learned what it meant to follow Jesus and see the impact that it had on people's lives and then experience that change within myself, if it wasn't for that lived experience, I don't think I could speak to you the way I'm speaking to you now. In fact, I can guarantee you I couldn't. I certainly wouldn't be out here without notes. (laughs) The only way I have courage to do something like that is to trust that the Holy Spirit is is working in me and through me and that the words that I would have courage to share might touch your heart, maybe, and that they could maybe create some sense of certainty within you. That's what gives me courage. That's why I take the risk of putting this in my mouth. (laughs) My foot online, people. <laughs> you see, the more we open ourselves to experience God's presence, the more we create the space to gain the certainty that Jesus is here, that He's working within our hearts, that He's working within our church. And we need that kind of certainty, do we not? Because I don't know what's going to happen with Russia. In the Ukraine, I don't know what's going to happen with the pandemic or the divisions within our own country. You know, sometimes I'm more afraid of the violence within our own country than anything overseas. But you take any one of these things, especially if you start combining them, and wow, the uncertainty is off the charts. But again, I look back then to say, I know that God was there in the most difficult times of my life. I know that. So I can trust that as things are changing, as things are uncertain, I can trust that Jesus will make Himself known to me again. No matter what comes. No matter how hard things get. Jesus will be there. He says, let me read this to you again. In this world, you face persecution, but take courage. I have conquered the world. I mean, at some point, we all, have to, we all have to wrestle with this. At some point, we have to understand that we have no control over the things that are happening outside of our own heart. And I would say we can't even really change our own heart, can we? How hard is it to change a habit or the way we think about something? We certainly have no control over anything else happening outside of the right here and right now. It's full of uncertainty. But we can allow God to speak to our hearts. We can allow the experience of Christ together to give us courage to face whatever will come. Because no amount of worrying about it will change that reality. No amount of learning about whatever thing you're most afraid of is going to change that reality. There's no certainty there. In our life, I think we have three certainties. See if you agree with me on these. Maybe, maybe two out of three. <laughs> Some people do use the death and taxes thing. Go ahead if that's, <laughs> if that's what you like. See if you agree with these, okay? We're all alive right now. If not, we're in trouble <laughs> We are all alive in this room. We are breathing. We're safe. We're warm, praise God. We're allowed to hear God's word proclaimed. We are alive. That's one certainty. Second certainty, we will all die. Fair? I think that's pretty fair. The third and most powerful certainty Christ is risen. He's here. And you see, if we can accept that certainty through our lived experience, then the other two, our perspective of them changes dramatically. I can accept that I will die one day. And I say, Lord, then make my, worth, my life worthy of your name. May I reflect your goodness and grace, especially when things are hard. And of course, that's a, a, a growing process of surrendering our hearts to Jesus and saying, Lord, help me to see where I am not living with courage, where I'm not living with compassion, where I can step forward trusting that You are working in me. The privilege that we as Christians then receive is to discern not if Christ will be there, but how Christ will be there. The uncertainty of our time is scary without a doubt. 100%. I'm with you. We can't change any of that. What we can allow, friends, is the risen Christ to commune with us as we walk together, discerning what Christ is doing, remembering what He has done and remembering His promise that He says, I've conquered the world. Accept this truth so that you may have peace. Amen. I'd like to give us uh, just a few moments